0: Good evening, probably, I, I should probably make one thing clear, I'm not teaching tonight on, on how to flee or how to, he, he, he forgot to mention I was talking about Jonah, I think you probably saw that in the program, but I'm talking about Jonah and I have it split into three parts, and the first part is when Jonah flees from the presence of the Lord, so let's talk, let's um, turn to Jonah, it's a little hard to find. I have to use my index for this one. Right after Obadiah and Amos. All right, we're going to be reading from Jonah see how much yeah Jonah 1 let's read the first 16 verses I'm gonna read these now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the son of Amittai saying arise go to Nineveh that great city and cry against it for their wickedness is come up before me but Jonah rose to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa and he found his ship going to Tarshish so he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid, and cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea, to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call unto thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they said, "Every one to his fellow, Come, and let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then they said unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us? What is thine occupation, and whence comest thou? What is thy country, and of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am an Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid, and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. (laughs) Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought, and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up, and cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea calm unto you, for I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to bring it to land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea r- ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows." All right, so first of all, what do you all think about when you think of the story of Jonah? First thing that pops into your head. Jonah running from God. Jonah running from God, okay. What else?
1: The whale. The whale, whale, yeah.
0: I think that's pretty common. Probably most people would would think about the whale. Um, Anything else? We also have the plant that withered. Um, But... And it's, it's kind of interesting that when we think about Jonah, we think about the big fish, right? Pretty much everyone will think of the big fish. And I never really thought about this too much, but if you think about it, like there's a lot more than a big fish in this story. And if you think about especially the end, and we'll talk about who the Assyrians were, but 120,000 people repented in a matter of days. I don't know how many days it was exactly. It seems like it was only a couple of days and these were not, you know, people that, um, I don't know how much exposure they had to, you know, Israel and God, but these were barbarians, these were pagans that, just just like that, changed their mind and repented earnestly from their ways. And I think, we'll talk about that more later, but which is the bigger miracle, actually? That a fish swallowed a man, or that 120,000 pagans, just like that, switched their way of thinking? And so I want, I want us to think about, and we'll find some more things in this story, but there's a lot more to this story than just a big fish. So let's get started. Um, talking about Jonah, that we know some about him, not very much, but says a son of Amittai. Um, there are some other mentions of him in the Bible. In 2 Kings 14.25, it mentions him a little bit. Maybe look at that verse a little bit. 2 Kings 14.25 it talks about him uh, when he was a prophet in the, during the reign of Jeroboam. It talks about Jeroboam and what he did. He restored the coast of Israel from the entering of Hamath unto the sea of the plain according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke by the hand of his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet which was of, of gath hepher gath hepher I'm not sure how you say that. So there's that mention of him, and then there's also... Um, in the New Testament, Jesus mentions Jonah as an illustration. But we don't know very much about this man. But this story tells us a lot of interesting things about him. Another interesting thing about Jonah, does anyone know what the meaning of Jonah is? What's the meaning of his name? A dove. Sorry? A dove. A dove, yeah. What? what my mouth. A dove. What? My mouth yeah. Yes, it means dove. I think that's very <laughs> interesting because God sent a dove to these Assyrians, and you can think of God sending this, maybe taking a little bit further, God sending an olive branch to this town, to this city, um, with a messenger called Jonah, which means dove. I think that's kind of interesting. Let's talk a little bit about Nineveh and the Assyrians. Um, Nineveh, it mentions a little bit here in this passage, but this, this, how big does it say it was? How big was Nineveh? says three days journey, broad. So three days walking distance, broad, which is pretty big. Um, I did do some a little bit of research in history as well, and it was the largest city in the world for a couple decades, according to what I was reading. And it was by the Assyrians, or the Babylonians, um, which were the largest empire in the world for about 300 years. So this was a substantial city by a substantial people. And as it mentions further on in the book of Jonah, then, um, there were 120,000 in the, ver- I think the very last, yeah, the very last, word. it says 64,000 people. 120,000 people lived in the city. I was looking at some, some cities that have comparable population. The one that is pretty close around here is Allentown. But I don't know if, that, if you have an idea of how big Allentown is. But 120,000 is a lot of people. <coughs> Um, the Assyrians were were quite an interesting people. And they were known for their barbarism, for the way that they treated people. They were known for their intense brutality when it came to warfare. Um, they used it as a psychological tactic. So people were afraid to start a war with them because they would just do it an, and... An, a number of just crazy things, and they used that as one of their <laughs> tactics, so that people wouldn't want to go against them. Um, they did lots of. Things. I don't want to go into too much detail, but things like impalement and you know peeling skin and cutting off limbs and things like that were common, very common. And we see a passage of what um, what they did in Jeremiah 52:10, uh, what they did to Zedekiah. <laughs> Maybe someone remembers this passage, but I'm going to just read it here. Jeremiah 52.10, just to get an idea of what these people were like. Jeremiah 52.10. And the king of Babylon, remember, the Babylonians and the Assyrians were the same people. And the king of Babylon slew the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes. He slew also all the princes of Judah in Rivla. Then he put out the eyes of Zedekiah, and the king of Babylon bound him in chains, And carried him to Babylon and put him in prison till the day of his death. So, I mean, you can see here the way the the way they treated people and just the psychological warfare is just crazy. He slew, he killed all of his sons and then put out his eyes. So the last thing he saw was his sons being killed before his eyes. And as you know, you can never get images out of your head that easily. So these are these are the people that we're talking about here, the Assyrians and. If you look about some more, look up some more history, of, like they have drawings and like in their palaces and things, they had uh, carvings and drawings of the things they did to their enemies, and if you look at some of their writings and like they bragged about everything that they did to people and how they killed them and you know what all they did. These were some of Israel's, not just Israel's either, these were some of the, the world's enemies at that time. These were bad people, okay? These were these were terrible people that people were terrified of. So that's the Assyrians, and so let's get into Jonah's disobedience then a little bit. I want to talk about this first part here. And it's interesting that we have this story because we rarely actually see prophets who go against what God says. We, often we see prophets doing crazy things um, in obedience to God. Um, we have an example of, of Isaiah, I think it was Isaiah, or one of the, the prophets laying on his one side for a period of time and then on his other side. Um, you see other prophets doing just crazy things in obedience to what God wanted them to do. But one example is in 1 Kings 13 where there's a prophet um, that was told he wasn't supposed to eat or drink anything and then this other prophet deceived him and invited him to his house. And then he told him that God had shown him that he was supposed to eat and drink at his house and he was killed by a lion. Um, Second Peter also mentions Balaam. Balaam was another prophet that was disobedient. So we do see some examples, but we don't often see prophets that are disobedient. In verse three, then, so Je- God calls Jonah to go to Nineveh and cry against it. Then in verse three, he rose up to flee unto Tarshish. And I was looking a little bit at what that word Tarshish would be, and it seems that you don't, you can't. Doesn't, it's not really clear where this place was. Um, it's not really a precise location that we know of. It, the in the um, time of Solomon, uh, the ships of Tarshish brought. Um, they were trade wow. ships, so they could have been coming from an actual place. The ships of Tarshish could have also meant like a just a trade ships in general. Um, but either way, it was far. It was somewhere away, and I I'm going to kind of make a parallel here. Uh, maybe it was just going to the to the boondocks or to wherever, to, somewhere away, and that's where Jonah was going. So I don't know if it was an actual place, but either way, it was far away. Jonah was just going as far as he could, pretty much. He probably looked for I don't know if he looked for you know any ship that would take him the furthest. I imagine <laughs> maybe that's what he did. But a, either way, he was going. The opposite way. He was going away from where God was telling him to do. And I wanted, why do you think Jonah disobeyed? What I know, I had one, I had one misconception of why Jonah disobeyed. But why, why did Jonah disobey? He was probably scared. Sorry? He was probably scared. Maybe he was scared. Yeah, that's what I've always thought. <laughs> I've always thought that was that was why. And it's easy to see. I mean, we talked about these these people that will, you know, as easy as not. You know, put you on a stick or cut your skin off or whatever. Like, these were not people you wanted to mess with. And these were not people you wanted to go into their city and say that their city is going to be overthrown in 40 days. I imagine. I, I know I would have had some hesitancy doing that. Um, but let's read what Jonah 4 2 says. Jonah 4 2 is when Jonah is very angry when the, when the people of Nineveh repented. And this is what Jonah says. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was this not my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God, and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. So it appears like it wasn't, at least maybe it was some fear, I don't know, but it seems like the reason, the primary reason Jonah fled is because he didn't he didn't want these people to to hear about salvation he didn't want to hear want these people to repent because he knew that God would well he's that 's what he says anyway he knew that God would is a gracious God he knew that he's slow to anger and he didn't want to risk these people repenting and being saved because they were they were bad people that 's the idea that I get from this anyway and as I studied it more it became more clear first I was I was just like, no. I mean, he was afraid of these people. That's why he didn't go. That's all what I always thought. But according to that verse, and according to the yeah my study, it seems like it wasn't as much he was afraid. And you can also see then later on. I mean, Jonah wasn't afraid to be tossed overboard. He was he was willing to do that to save the sailors. And he wasn't he wasn't really um, just rebellious for the sake of being rebellious. Because um, in the ship he. Acknowledge that you know God is who he serves. He's a Hebrew. He wasn't ashamed to say that. Um, we don't know all the details, but it seems like there was something a little bit more going on here. I get the idea that he fled because he thought he knew better than God did. Like we talked about who these people were. They were enemies of Israel and of God, and he was afraid they might <laughs> repent. And it was interesting as I was thinking about what if what if we would have the same conception of what God can do to someone that Jonah did? What if when we evangelize or talk to people about, you know, God and salvation, what if we were so convinced that, you know, these people are just going to get saved if I talk to them? What what if we would have that conception of evangelism that Jonah Jonah believed that God can save. Jonah believed in the God of in the power of God's grace what if we would have that same fear, so, so convinced that God can save and change people that if there's someone that, that we don't get along with too well or someone um, that maybe did something to me or someone I know, we don't really want to go talk to that person about God because just like that, God will forgive him and then he'll repent and then he'll. I'll have to... I don't know. I, it was just interesting to me... Um, Jonah had faith in, in, in God, the power of God's, in power of salvation. That was really interesting. He was afraid to talk to his enemies because he was afraid they would repent. Jonah's manner of fleeing is interesting as well. So we already talked about, he went on the ship to the, to the sticks, to the boondocks. He went to the, <coughs> the ship that would take him far away. Um, he went down into the deepest part of the ship it says and then he fell asleep and I, I imagine that it, look, it looks like it was, this is a man trying to get as far away possible from what God is asking him to do and maybe he did that I don't know maybe he was hoping that um, God will <coughs> sort of forget about the mission that I'm supposed to be on maybe God will forget it. well if Jonah's not going to do it then I guess these people are pretty bad I don't know if he was hoping that God would forget about it um, but it seems like he was afraid that these people would repent and that they would be saved these people who have done so much evil Sam I don't know if you looked at a map or not but I remember looking up Nineveh is if you go try to go from wherever from I mean from Israel mm-hmm. to Nineveh you would have to go by land okay but he went the opposite direction toward the Mediterranean Sea and got on the ship and headed it doesn't really matter I mean he was so scared of what God could do in Nineveh yeah. that he went completely the opposite mm-hmm. even just the way to get there so it he was the run. opposite direction well at least to Joppa <laughs> like and then if he's going on the ocean like I mean, in, in the Mediterranean Sea, which is that where Job. Yeah, and you and see that actually later on then about the sea and the dry land. like uh, Later on, Jonah talks about how God is this, the God of the sea and of the dry land. It seems <coughs> like, yeah, there's some, there's some opposites going on as, as well. But yeah, thank you for that. But yeah, you just see, you just see someone who, who is so scared of the power of God's salvation and grace that he just beelines it the opposite direction. And that's, yeah, it's, it's crazy, pretty crazy to think about. I think uh, Jonah was sort of a patriot, like Paul. He said, I'd I lose myself a curse so if I could see my nation saved. Mm-hmm. I think that's what turns out to be a <coughs> uh, so The thing he wanted was for Assyria to be destroyed. Yeah. And, and that would be the salvation of his nation. So he was willing to take a curse upon himself. I think he knew he would have the curse of God day. but he's yeah. going to that mm-hmm. yeah maybe that's, that's a good point actually he was maybe doing it more for the nation of Israel not as much just for himself but yeah There are there is definitely some selfishness as People well like I think the Lord telling you to go and uh, say uh, to North Korea you have 40 days to repent mm-hmm. oh, you Destroyed. I now as Christians I hope you wouldn't to most people say, well if I just wait this enemy pile is going to be destroyed, I'm yeah. not going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like it's definitely a calculated thing that Jonah did. He wasn't, he didn't just, yeah, he knew he knew what he was doing. I I I was trying to think of some examples though, because you know, think about a foreign country somewhere it's it doesn't quite hit as hard as maybe someone who would be closer that we would have a harder time um, preaching to that might get saved. But I didn't really get I didn't really come up with any examples. But yeah, so let's get, move on to the storm then. Um, in the following verses, it says the Lord sent a great wind and there was a mighty tempest. The ship was like to be broken, was about to be broken. So this was no no mom and pop everyday storm here. This was a a violent event so that the ship was about to be broken apart. And you can see here these traders were throwing their stuff overboard and I imagine these were people who, I mean this was their livelihood they were tossing overboard. So this was, this was nothing nothing light or, or, yeah this was their last resort. They were toss, literally tossing their money overboard. And so if, if, you know, if you see someone that's abandoning their livelihood, especially someone who's, you know, we were talking about the kingdom, you know, we shouldn't be so attached to our money as Christians, but if you see someone just tossing out all their, everything that they have, you know it's something much bigger that's going on here. So this storm was, was something big, and it might have been even something unnatural. I don't know if they might have been able to tell that this was something that was different than just a regular storm. Because these were, these were sailors, they were used to the sea. But I have wondered, I don't know if anyone has any thoughts of, about this, but why was Jonah, how did Jonah fall asleep? How was he able to sleep through all this? Because I would think, you know, I don't, maybe this was another tactic of his to just kind of shut everything out and just, you know, just, I'm not doing it. Just stopping his ears and just, you know, he, he went to the bottom of the ship and then he fell asleep, like we said. So maybe that's why, but I don't know. Any ideas? Someone said that running from God wears you out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to do, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. but Sorry? Oh. Running from God will wear you out. But I was thinking, uh, wouldn't you feel... But maybe Jonah didn't feel guilt. Because usually when you feel guilt, you're not able to sleep. I don't know. But anyway, he did fall asleep. And so these, these sailors, these people who are used to the sea, were crying out to God. They were so afraid. And so they were looking around and, and uh, just grabbing on to any God that anyone has and just you know praying. To, everyone pray to their God that they have. Maybe, maybe one of these gods will do something that will help us out. That was the, the kind of attitude that they had. They were desperate to to look around to any God that could possibly save them. They didn't care which one. They just, I need someone to to save me. And then they, you know, well, whose fault is all this? What? And I don't know how they knew it was someone's fault. Maybe it goes back to the storm. Maybe there was something unnatural about the storm. Um, I'm not sure. But they figured out that it was someone's fault. If it was us, maybe we would think, oh, well, this is just a, another hurricane. I saw it on my weather app that, you know, in 10 days or whatever, there's going to be a big storm. Um, but this was, they, they knew something was going on here somehow. And then Jonah confesses, like we talked about earlier. Jonah confesses that he's running, he said, it's, it's right here um, in verse, verse 9. I am in Hebrew, and I fear the Lord the god of heaven which has made the sea and dry land and then they were really afraid because they knew he was running from this god the sailors it's really interesting the sailor respond to why hast thou done this why did you why would you do this that was really interesting these these sailors that probably were pagans they probably what well it says they had all their different gods um, they they weren't real familiar with the God of heaven, but they knew that it was ignorance to run away from a God that made all this, you know, and I think sometimes our questions and our rebellion would be, would seem sort of silly when we put it in that way as well, you know, or if we would, if we would, you know, instead of doubting God, maybe if we would rephrase our doubt in a way like, God who made everything and made me, why are you doing this? How do you know what you're doing? But if you put that at the beginning, well, yeah, I mean, he made everything. He knows what he's doing. But that's sort of what Jonah was doing. I mean, he acknowledged that he he feared God who made the sea and the dry land, but he was running from him. And even the pagans understood that that was kind of an ignorant thing to do. I f- in Isaiah, it talks about Cyrus, and it was it, Cyrus was another um, king that was used by God. And it's interesting that here, I was thinking about you know there's another verse in the Bible that talks about you know the, the Potter and the clay, how we shouldn't question the the Potter about what he does. But here it also mentions this in Isaiah 45 verse eight. Uh, I get this right. Yeah, it talks to, in verse in chapter 45. It talks about Cyrus, but then in in verses eight to ten, well, verse nine especially. Woe well unto him that striveth with his Maker! It talks in the be, uh, beginning of chapter 45. It talks about Cyrus, who's God's anointed, God's chosen, even though he wasn't. I don't think he served God necessarily. Maybe he did somewhat, but he was a pagan king, and then in in verse nine. It talks about, Woe unto him that striveth with his maker. Let the potchard strive with the potter's of the earth. Tell the clay say to him that fashion it, What makest thou? Or thy work he hath no hands. And I think that's related to God choosing Cyrus, um, even though he was a pagan. So what, who are we to argue against God for what he's doing? That's what I get out of those verses. And then the next thing, Uh, The sailors asked what they should do. What should they do with this guy? What kind of ritual do we need to perform here? Get back to Jonah here. And again, um, here it it talks about what they asked, you know, what should we do? They figured out it it was Jonah, and then they asked him all kinds of questions, you know, and then he, he admitted that he feared God. And what, what should we do unto you? What, what do we need to do so that we get... I mean, you're obviously the cause of our problem, so what do we need to do with you so that we don't drown, so we don't all drown? The typical thing in the Old Testament about the heathen gods was you have to find something somewhere to appease them. Yeah. So if it was dry... They, something, the gods were angry with them mm-hmm. or okay. if they failed in warfare, the gods were angry. Mm-hmm. They had to find something to appease their gods so they wouldn't be angry with them. Mm-hmm. And so here they have a man that serves the Lord and goes against their knowledge. They can't comprehend that at all. Yeah, <laughs> and they're worshiping, you know, their gods that to the best of their knowledge. Yeah, and reaching for more knowledge so they can know for sure mm-hmm. how to manipulate their gods to get favorable results. Right. Yeah, and so they're asking, what What do we need to do? Um, and in verse, in verse 12, then Jonah tells them, well, you have to cast me into the sea. And here Jonah is, is offering himself, basically. I mean, we'll talk maybe a little bit about this. But Jonah had, Jonah, I mean, this was the end for Jonah, as, as he knew it. He didn't know there was going to be more to this story. But the sailors were really afraid here, which is interesting. I mean, they just... The sailors here, who didn't have much knowledge of God, feared the Lord much more than Jonah did, which is really interesting. And here again, I mean, they're they're terrified of doing something so that this God will have sort of like what you're talking about, like the gods will have revenge on, on you know, if you displease him. But they were really afraid here as well of killing Jonah because, well, his God might do something to us. And so they tried, you know, they tried the best they could to try to row again to the to the land, um, but. There was no way that was gonna happen. And so they pray to to this God of, of Jonah's. They pray to the Lord. And they ask him, not don't let us perish for this man's life. Don't lay upon us innocent blood. Again, these pagans are have this terrified are terrified of the Lord much more than Jonah. I was wondering here, like, why was it necessary? Jonah to drown, to to drown, basically. Why why did, could Jonah have asked for forgiveness? Was it too late for forgiveness? Or was this maybe a sign for these sailors? Um, I didn't quite think through all why why that was necessary. Maybe Jonah just felt like this was was something he had to do, sort of like we were saying earlier. I'm not sure. But Jonah offers himself, like we talked again earlier, um, Jonah offered himself as a sacrifice here, basically, yeah. so he, he it was sort of, yeah. in a way, it was calculated. He—he he sort of knew what he was doing, and he was willing to suffer or to, to die actually for for Jonah's cause, basically. What he was. But do you, um, Do you think there's a chance that he thought there was some kind of plan like that he wouldn't die? Or? I don't know. I I was kind of reading this I mean, like <laughs> he didn't like. If he, if he did, then he would have had a lot of faith. You know, to look at it that way, though. So. I don't know. I kind of look at it like he. This was the end for him. He was willing to to pay the price, so that these Assyrians would die. Like like he mentioned. That's sort of how I look at it. I don't know. There. I'm sure there could be other interpretations of this too. I've wondered too why he didn't throw himself over. <laughs> <laughs> the others felt so bad to throw him over. Why did he know? He was more. There could have been an element there where it was something to help these, these sailors, something to, that they needed to be involved as well. I'm not, I'm not sure. I haven't quite figured that out. But we do, some, we do see some integrity here on Jonah's part. He didn't want to see these sailors die. He knew these sailors were innocent, so he didn't want them to have to pay the price for what he was choosing to do. And that is something that, that you know, good on Jonah for not. He wasn't blindly going into this destroying others needlessly. Um, He's people. gonna die either way. I mean. yeah, it was either him and the sailors or just him, yeah. So at least, I mean, here he had some, some integrity where he didn't want others to die for his mistakes. So just the last little bit here. Um, we're gonna get to the the great fish and everything <coughs> next time, but uh, just the last part here um, the calm. What, what, I wonder what it must have looked like. I'm, I don't know if the sea just like, like that went calm or, or what that must have looked like. But it says it was. it was pretty drastic, drastic enough that the men noticed that it calmed down right away. It wasn't like the next day or anything like that. And it says the men feared the Lord exceedingly, exceedingly, that's a pretty strong word. And they offered a sacrifice unto the Lord. And made vows. So they did three things: they feared the Lord, they offered a sacrifice, and made vows. And I would have loved to be on, to kind of hear this conversation on the ship after Jonah was gone. Like, for all they knew, he was he was done. Like he was gone. But um, I have to think about like sailors and their legends. Like you hear all these pirate stories and everything. Like, I bet for years these sailors, you know, were going around to anyone that would listen. You know. Just wait till you hear this story. Like, yeah, it, I'm sure it would have been really interesting to hear. You know, I'm sure for years these sailors were telling this story about this guy that, that was running away from this god, and 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 then he we dumped him overboard, and then to see just like that went calm. But yeah, I like to think about that and the impression it made on these these sailors. And I don't know, you know, what happened. Maybe it was something that the sailors. Did they, did they keep their vows? Did they keep serving the Lord? It's something we don't really know. But, I don't know. The story this of just... this have been a part of figuring into the great revival and turning to the Lord later when Jonah appears again? The, uh, okay. okay. Here he is. How did this get to be? Mm-hmm. It's just an unbelievable story by natural cause. And these were traitors, and they, they were the means of spreading news, so maybe. Maybe. But they greatly feared the Lord and just spread you know, headlines in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 Everything. Like I'm sure it was all they could talk about for a while. Yeah. Well, I often wonder if the story actually didn't get back to Syria. Before before Jonah got there. I mean, they were traitors, so yeah. I mean, that was the way that news traveled with the <coughs> Yeah, I'm going to leave it there for now. And um, we'll talk about next time about Jonah and the big fish then. Thank you all for your time. Let's pray. And then after this prayer, you're dismissed. Remember to go get your children. I don't think you'll forget, but I was told to remind you. So let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this evening. Thank you for the story of Jonah. I pray that you would help us open our eyes and be able to learn from your word. Thank you for each one that's here and for these evenings that we have to study, pray that your Holy Spirit will be with us, pray you would also protect each one as we go home, help us to have a safe trip home, and continue learning. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed.